For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I am really excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Shane Sams, and we'll focus on how to build low-cost niche audiences using Google Ads with Facebook Ads. Yes, you heard that right, with Facebook Ads. Pay attention to this podcast episode. By the way, want to reach me? Email me, podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. Let's transition over to this week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival tip. This week I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric? I decided to dig back and see if we had mentioned one of my go-to apps, which is Text Expander, and we have never talked about it on the show before. So for those that don't know what it is, <laughs> tell us what it is. So Text Expander is an app for Mac and iOS and Windows that lets you instantly insert snippets of text that you've already stored away, like boilerplate or other types of uh, abbreviations or different things that let you streamline pasting in uh, text at a moment's notice that saves you tons of time. So I'm going to give you an example. Typing out the words social media examiner, like I do all the time, can be tedious. But if I have it set up in my text expander to expand the letters SME, when I type them, it, it does that. I type SME and it goes bloop and it drops in social media examiner. So I don't have to type it over and over and over again all the time. Mm, interesting. And it works on even the iOS, which is even more interesting. Does it? Yes. On the iOS, does it work within all apps or just certain apps? It's set up like a keyboard where you install the keyboard and then that keyboard pops up like you do where you switch over from an emoji keyboard oh. uh, to a text expander keyboard. Very interesting. Yeah. So what other applications do you do with it other than just like social media examiner? Yeah. So there is a ton of stuff in here that I use it for. Uh, one of the quickest and easiest ones is, for example, when we sign off on our social posts as a social team, we always to do uh, dash space and then our first name. Well, what I've got it set up as is if I type dash E for Eric, it then uh, changes that over to dash Eric. So I don't have to type it all the way out. Huh. That's one quick, easy way. Um, what about common questions too? I mean, I would imagine if there's boilerplates for questions that we get over and over on our social channels, yes. you could probably pre-craft those, right? As long as you knew yes. what the cheats were or whatever, right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you know what your, your, uh, 
uh, your triggers are. You know what you know, I mean. You know, and and that's the great thing is you can go into Text Expander, and if you don't remember what the trigger is, you don't remember what the answer is fully. You go in and you just type in like an kind of like Google search on your email. You know, I know that email's in there somewhere. Well, you go into Text Expander and you type that, you know, Facebook ads, for example, and it'll pull up those snippets, and then it'll go, oh, there's the one, and then type in I don't know, FB ads would be. Huh. Uh, the short case for it, for example. This is also a really cool way to bring up not just a single emoji, but maybe a combination of emoji that maybe you use all the time, or even some GIFs. You can pre-populate uh, and, and train Text Expander to bring those things up. And what's even cooler is that you can sync these snippets not just across your devices, but you can uh, share out a group of snippets that you've created and send that over to a coworker or a friend so that they can import those into their text expander as well. Oh, interesting. Well, and it sounds like the mobile and the desktop sync as well, or yes. you have to share it. Is that the idea? Uh, the mobile and the desktop sync on your own account. But again, you can import export groups of snippets from other users if you want to. And you can even set it up for... Uh, teams and organizations. So for example, if if we wanted to, we could set uh, multiple people up inside an organization and we could say, okay, these are the snippets. And if I, you know, say we have a, so for example, here we go, we're, we're closing, um, you know, we're coming up on, you know, selling tickets to an event or something. Right. And we want the boilerplate language to be the same for everybody as they drop that in everywhere. And we could literally have one person be in charge of going in changing that discount, that text, that whatever, so that anytime, anywhere, somebody says, I don't know, SME sale, right? it would, boom, drop out, and it would be the same language for everybody, and everybody would always have the most up-to-date boilerplate language. That's really slick. I've yeah. heard a lot of people sing praises of this. Um, what, what does it cost? Where do we find it? Yeah, so to find it, it's easy to find. It's just text expander dot com and for about three dollars a month is what it is for a single user i mean that's it pays for itself to be honest and it's eight dollars a month uh for a per person uh for when you're doing the team's setup cool and just disclosure folks we are never uh paid to mention these apps these are just things that we discover and we share with you these are not sponsors so again is it tech you said textexpander.com right Yes, yes, textexpander.com. I mean, I, I really do literally use this daily, awesome. all day. Thank you so much, Eric. You're welcome. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. And now for today's interview with Shane Sams. To help simplify your social safari, here's this week's special guest. This week, I'm excited to be joined by Shane Sams. If you don't know who Shane is, he's the co-host of the Flipped Lifestyle Podcast, a show focused on helping families make money online. He describes himself as a normal guy from Kentucky who loves helping others. He's also the founder of Flip Your Life Community. Shane, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me on the show today, man. appreciate it. I am super stoked about what we're going to talk about today. Shane and I are going to explore a strategy for locating super narrow niche communities using Google ads in combination with Facebook ads. Very novel idea. Before we get into uh, what's involved with that, Shane, I want to ask you, what's your story, man? How did you get into what you're doing right now? Uh, it's kind of a one of those paths that kind of weaves in and out, man. You know what I mean? Like you said in the uh, intro, I'm just a normal guy from Kentucky. 
Uh, my wife is also from Kentucky. Her name is Jocelyn. Uh, we actually met at the University of Kentucky. Go Big Blue, baby. Big Blue Nation. And uh, we, you know, we just kind of graduated college and got into a normal life. Um, Jocelyn worked corporate for a while. I did some coaching and football uh, in colleges and high school around the country. And we kind of settled in and said, let's be school teachers. Let's have that normal life. We'll get our 2.2 kids, our 2.2 cars, and we'll just kind of ride off into the sunset. So we did that for about 10 years. I was a social studies teacher. My wife was an elementary school librarian. Mm. Uh, I coached football on the side. And man, we had some really bad experiences at work. I actually lost a job because uh, two school systems consolidated mm. and, and my job was eliminated completely. Found my next job, man, and I had a really, really bad experience at work. My son had a very negative incident at a daycare center, and I had a really bad boss that really threatened me, basically, uh, my job if I was going to leave school that day to go help my son. And wow, that was that was the moment that I realized I had kind of given my life to to, to other people to control, uh, you know, just for a little bit of security. So at that point, I started looking for other things to do with my life. I said, there's got to be a better way where we can take control of our life and make our own money. How long and not ago, have to how long ago was this, by the way, Shane? What year was this? This was five years ago. This all happened in 2012. So okay? you decided you needed to take control of your life. Well, what's the next part of the story? Well, what happened was I was driving around town one day and I looked over at my wife, Jocelyn. I said, I wonder if I can get a hundred people to send me $50. <laughs> she kind of looked at me like, what are you talking about? I was like, I don't know. There's like 7 billion people on the planet. Surely there's a hundred people that'd give me $50. And if they all did that in a month, that'd be 5,000 bucks. And then if I could do that 12 months in a row, that'd be $60,000. So if we can just do that every month, we can leave our jobs and quit teaching. And, uh, uh and it, it sounded so simple in the car that day, Mike. And, uh, Jocelyn looked over at me, of course, and said, how are you going to do that? And I said, I don't know. Let me see if I can figure it out. So I, so I started looking uh, for information about business, like how to sell stuff, how to do anything. And one day I was mowing my grass and I got sick of the music on my podcast. And I said, I'm going to look up business podcasts. Um, I'm a big wrestling fan. So I was listening to pro wrestling podcasts at the time. And I said, there's got to be something on business. If, there, if these idiots are talking about pro wrestling, surely someone's telling me how to make money online or something. Right. Right. And uh, so I started flipping through the podcast and there was all these stuffy people with like suits and business attire on. I'm like, I don't want to wear a suit. That's ridiculous. And then I saw this, this, this podcast art of this little guy looking over the bottom of the podcast art with his eyeballs. And I'm like, who is this dude? And it was the smart passive income with Pat Flynn. And I clicked over to Pat's site and I saw him standing there holding his son. And I said, wait a minute, I got a son that's exactly that age. So I listened to his podcast that day on my lawnmower. And he started telling a story about how he sold a study guide and he would email it to people and they would give me money hmm. or give him money. So man, I hit the brakes on that lawnmower and I skid in my grass and I, I jumped off and I was running inside thinking, Oh my gosh, I just figured out how I'm going to get a hundred people to give me 50 bucks. We'll sell emails. We'll sell PDFs of information. So I busted in the back door, man. I told my wife, I said, I figured it out, Jocelyn. I know exactly how we're going to quit our jobs, get away from this teaching stuff. We're going to sell people emails. And she just paused and looked at me like, go mow the grass. What are you talking about? <laughs> and, uh, but, but I went down that path, man. I went down that rabbit hole and, uh, tried some stuff online and I was eventually able to make money. And we eventually, you know, a year later we replaced our income in July of 2013. We made $15,000 online. What were you August, selling back we made $36, then? $36,000 online. What were you selling and back it, then? 
we were selling lesson plans, uh, lesson plans, football playbooks to coaches, things like that. Things you could make a PDF and email it to people. Ah, basically. gotcha. And, and uh, we walked in in September of 2013, man. September 27, 2013, uh, quit our jobs. So Sweet. that's kind of the nutshell version of how we stumbled into this rabbit hole. And now what are you doing? Now our main focus is FlippedLifestyle.com. Um, we actually just sold one of our education companies. It was a seven-figure sale. Um, we've got a couple of other things going on that are really successful. Um, so what happened was when we quit our job, of course, the first thing that happens is you get people asking you questions, right? Well, Jocelyn had a friend at the time named Lindsay who had chosen to be a stay-at-home mom. She had quit her job, and she was like, hey, do you think I could make some money online? Um, she was a former school teacher too. So we helped her make some digital products, and she was actually able to go make a 1000 bucks on the internet in a month. And her husband came up to me, Mike, and, you know, one day at church and just tears in his eyes was like, man, I, I don't think you understand how much that's helped our family. And it has made it possible for my daughter to have her mom home with her every day. Very cool. And, and on the way home from church that day, I looked over at Jocelyn and I said, we know something that could change uh, people's lives and we've got to really be able to get it out there. So we started Flipped Lifestyle and it's gotten really popular and we've helped a lot of people kind of do the same thing. Uh, that we did. It's funny. Everybody always says like, why is it called flipped lifestyle? And the, the, the funny thing is when, when we quit our jobs, this was right after the recession, the great recession. And everybody was freaking out. Like you're giving up a teaching job. You've got tenure, you've got insurance. What are you doing? And uh, my mom actually cornered me in a bedroom at her house one day and said, Shane Sams, you got babies. You have lost your mind. You have flipped out. And I do not approve of this decision. And uh, so when we decided to do this, I said, let's call it Flipped Lifestyle because we have flipped out. We're well, doing it I backwards. love it. So, I love it, though, because it also is about flipping your life, you know, so. flipping your life. It's just like a house, man. You fix yeah. it up, you make it better and you, you do it in a better way. You Very invest cool. in your future. So awesome story. So uh, that's a perfect setup for uh, for the next question. Right. Which is now you're obviously helping other people. Um, figure out how to do what you guys did, which is, I think, a good setup for the, the, the most of the dialogue we're going to have from here on out, which is about finding these niche audiences. Um, what you do, which I think is so fascinating, is you use not just Facebook, but Google in combination with Facebook. And I'd kind of like you to, first of all, before we get into what the strategy is, why these two together? Right. Well, well, when we started helping people, a lot of the information that you get online comes from people really ingrained, almost inbred into the social media. I'm a business coach and I'm testing things about trying to get people to sign up for my business coaching or I'm trying to teach people how to do a podcast or how to do the mechanics around actual online business. Right. And we found really early on that a lot of the things that people were teaching, like, hey, just use Facebook ads and everything will be okay, didn't work for like education, like elementary librarians or history teachers or football coaches. And when we started working with other people, we, we figured out that it was really hard to target people on Facebook because when you're doing something in the business world, you can go target, you know, Timothy Ferris or Gary Vee or somebody big that has a million followers and you know they're all entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. right? But when you're trying to sell somebody, you know, Civil War battlefield crossword puzzles, <laughs> it was a little harder to find people on uh, Facebook and, and social media networks because they don't just like that stuff. You might be able to find a teacher, but how do you know they're not teaching algebra and you're trying to sell them, you know, librarian stuff? But what we did realize was, hey, people search for solutions. They go to Google 
and they try to find the answers to their questions. So if we could go to Google and we could say, hey, find a customer who's looking for the solution that I'm already offering, pixel them, and then follow up with Facebook, we could have this powerful like dynamo effect where we could get really cheap traffic and then we could follow up with them because the core of all marketing is follow up. It's not just, hey, here's my thing one time. That's what you get 100 Pepsi commercials every football game, right? That's because they want to ingrain themselves in your brain until that point you really want a soft drink and you'll go buy a Pepsi. So we're trying to do the same thing. We're trying to find people exactly where they are looking for their solution, introduce ourselves to them, and then we'll, we'll follow up with them. So the analogy, the analogy I always give, Mike, is like a car lot salesman. If someone walks onto a car lot, you have a high likelihood of selling them a car, right? But if you walk into a random you know, church service or, or Wednesday night potluck and you say, hey, I've got this great Escalade I'm going to sell you, you're going to have a very low conversion rate at the church potluck. But if you saw the guy on your car lot and you said, he said, I want this car. And you said, okay, let's talk about it. But he's like, well, not today. But then you go to his church and you see him at the potluck and you're going to follow up with him. Then you can close the sale over time. So what that's kind of where we got this strategy. What I from. love about this strategy, and let's, we're going to kind of dig in and wrap our brain around this a little bit here. But what I love about this strategy is that people go to Google when they have an intent and they're searching for something. Yes. And the idea is that you are able to figure out how to tap into that audience that's searching for something. And for those folks that are listening right now, this is not just applicable to um, I'm struggling to get an audience on Facebook. This is applicable for anything that you sell that someone might be searching for uh, to use Google in combination with Facebook. I've never heard this before. I think it's brilliant. Um, so at a high level, you know, you, you kind of talked about why both, but is there any more to the strategy? I mean, is it just as simple as are they searching and then pixel them on Facebook or is there a little more to the high level strategy here? The, the basic, we, we call it search to social marketing, okay? Because, you know, a lot of people just teach one thing. Like, here's how to set up a Google ad. Here's how to set up Pinterest. Here's how to set up Twitter. Here's right. how to set up Facebook. And we, and we kind of lose, you know, lose track of the point, the, the, you know, the point that people are using all these things. So why not catch people wherever they are, okay? So from a very high level, you, you basically start at where your customer is looking for solutions to their problem. Um, this doesn't have to be Google. I just, we're going to talk about Google a lot because that's what, the way we do it. But it could be buying ads you know, on a forum for guitar players. If you sell guitar lesson plans, well, go buy ads there. That's where people are searching for answers and then funnel them back to your page where you pixel them and you Facebook ads to follow up. But at a very high level, what you do is you go and create keywords. You, know, you go look up keywords. You set up an ad in Google based on those keywords, and you're going to drive traffic to a page where you give away that for free. And you, you stress in your ad, this is a free thing that you're looking for right now to solve your immediate search problem. Because you don't want any friction at all in them getting to that page and feeling really happy about what they found because this is their first interaction with your brand. When you when say free, do you mean ungated? You don't have to put your email address, nothing? This, yes, this is completely ungated. You can have an opt-in on the page if you want to for their next step. But whatever you've said you're going to give them in the ad, you're literally going to give them that when they get to that page because you don't have to get the email right then because you're going to pixel them. You're going to put the pixel on that page for Facebook. And now we're going to show them follow-ups over on Facebook to try to get them the opt-in, to get them to take the next step, to get them to go uh, to the next level. It's not just exposure. It's a handshake. It's, hi, I'm Shane. 
I sell history lesson plans. Here's the thing you searched for. You searched for Civil War battle site crossword puzzle. I'm going to give you that. That gets searched for 4,000 times a month in uh, August every year, Mike, that, that exact term. Huh. So we have, a, we have an actual crossword puzzle that we give away for free in August, and we drive traffic to it because it costs us like two cents to get clicks because nobody else is targeting that. And we get thousands and thousands of searches. They get pixeled. They get followed up with emails that are like, hey, I know you just got a Civil War lesson plan. Emails or well, Facebook ads? You mean uh, Facebook ads. The yeah. Facebook ad is going to say, hey, you just finished the Civil War. You're going to teach the Spanish-American War next. Here's a lesson plan. Click here. They're going to opt in, get that. Now we're going to say, bam, buy the entire year of lesson plans for X dollars a month. Okay. So that, that's how this works at a high, high level is get them to click to the page, get them pixeled, and now go build the know, like, and trust on Facebook but you use Google to find the people first. It's a lot easier and a lot cheaper that way. So I know some people are, are saying, okay, wait a second. I'm paying twice, right? I'm paying once for Google and again for Facebook. Why not just get them to opt in at the first point? And I know there's a reason why. So why don't you tell everybody why you're just giving it away right out of the gate for free from Google? Because I want no friction in our relationship. I just want to get you pixeled. I'm going to follow up with you over on Facebook where I can build a relationship with you because that's where people are. That's what people do on Facebook hmm. is they build no like and trust. They hang out with their friends and their family. I just want to introduce myself to you, give you a really quick win, get the cheapest traffic I can find to build an audience. And then I'll go follow up with you over on Facebook because I'm not going to be able to follow up with you on Google as good. You know, you, if you just throw random ads in their search display network, you're not going to have success. If you follow up on Facebook and their news feed, you start giving them more free stuff. They're going to be much more likely to buy over there. Plus, I, I would imagine they're going to recognize your brand because they've already gotten yes. something of value from you, right? And they're going to say, exactly. hey, hey, these guys have done me well once before. I'm going to go ahead and this time I'm willing to give them my email address. And that is where the relationship starts. Is that right? There, yeah. And there's a funny thing that happens with your email list. We actually convert a lot higher sales on the retargeting pixel than we do on our email list because emails get old over time. You know, like you may have a 10,000 person email list, but 2000 of them were from 2012 or whatever. Or they don't get so, delivered because or they don't get delivered filter. because someone yep. filters them out or whatever. Yeah. But on Facebook, if you just hit that 30 day, 90 day, 180 day, those people are going to see your ad and they're going to remember that you helped them that day that you gave them an answer to what they were looking for. And it's going to be a lot easier to convince them to, you know, you've got solutions going forward. Okay. We're going to get into some of the mechanics now. So let's start with the keyword research. Um, what, what do we need to know? How do we do that research? This goes back to kind of an old school term. You don't really hear anymore. It's the long tail keywords. Remember when about three years ago, everybody was like, Oh, you got to have the long tail keywords. And now nobody really talks about that because everyone's so obsessed with Facebook ads and things like that, or bots in people's messenger service or whatever. But in reality, those long tail keywords are really where the power is. You can't look for civil war. If I'm looking for civil war lesson plans for history teachers, I can't do that because there's a lot of people that look up civil war stuff and they don't care anything about teaching. They may not even be a teacher. They may just be interested in it. So I've got to go deeper. I've got to go to civil war crossword puzzle or Abraham Lincoln worksheet. Or if I'm doing my football site, I might look for, I can't just look for football. That's going to be football fans. I got to find the coaches. What do coaches look for? Coaches look for quarterback footwork drills. They look for defensive back drills for cover three secondaries. You have to dig down deep into the keyword research tools and find things that your avatar are definitely looking for. And you're going to strike right there to get your ads targeted because 
those are the keywords that are two cents, three cents. I've actually got some pulled up right here uh, for my Civil War site or for my Civil War lesson plans. Two cents, three cents, no, there, no, no line at all. No, no competition, competition, right? Yeah, no competition. No competition. No. And that's how you're going to build – I call them keyword coalitions. It's not about finding a keyword with 20,000 searches a month. It's about finding you know, 40 keywords with 500 searches a month. Target those and get them to your site. You have almost unlimited really cheap traffic and then follow up with them like crazy on Facebook. Do you have, does that mean you have to create a special offer for every single one of these keyword uh, phrases? No. No, because it's, if, you're, if you're smart about it, you can create like categories – like for example, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna, all I'm looking for with a history teacher is basically I, I want somebody that's teaching the Civil War. Now I need a bunch of terms to add up together that teach the Civil War, but I can just send them to a Civil War lesson plan and basically give them all the stuff they're looking for, mm. you know, and they they can have the whole unit. I don't care. Give them two weeks of lesson plans. It doesn't matter. I want them to have everything they need to succeed. So two weeks from now, when they see that ad that's World War One or whatever the next thing is they're going to be much more likely to take action on my next offer. So are there tools that you use to help you find the longer tail keyword phrases that you were talking about? You know, I used to do the third party stuff, but nowadays, man, I just go into Google AdWords and I just use the keyword planner because it's, it's just really intuitive. You can see all the information you need. You get the average monthly searches. They've got trends. You can hover over a little graph. You can see like what months are the biggest searches, right? And then it tells you your competition. You kind of get a good idea what you're going to pay for ads. So I really just use that. And I'm going to build my ads there anyway. So why not just grab the keywords as I'm going so when I start the ad, it's already ready. Any, and it's free if you sign up for it. You just have to run some ads to get it going. For somebody who's just getting started, what kind of budget should they be setting aside for this kind of stuff? It's going to depend on your niche, you know, because e even in this way, you know, cheap for some niche markets might be a dollar. Cheap for others are going to be two cents. Right. Um, but you need to be running some substantial money. You want to be trying to get a thousand people, you know, a day maybe or a month or whatever to drive through. You're going to have to, have, you can't just put a dollar a day and hope to succeed. You're going to have to put some investment into this. But we try to start all of our ads at five to ten dollars a day to start collecting data, learn what's working, and then, you know, make adjustments if we have to. What kind of copy are you putting in these Google ads? R really clear stuff. Like if I'm going to search for, uh, Civil War Battle Site Crossword, right? If I'm going to search for that, that's going to be the title of my thing. And it says, click here, download this worksheet for free. It's exactly what they want. As clear as day, nothing in between me and them, no friction. They search for it, they see it. That's exactly what they search for they're going to get. So try to use the keyword in your copy, especially that little, you know, the little heading you get right. with Google. Right. And that, that way there's no ambiguity. They know this is what I came for. That's my answer. I'm going to this page. Got it. And do you, and you definitely put the word free in there, download free immediate, that kind of stuff or download yes. free now, that kind of stuff. Instant access, Got you it. know, anything that says solve your problem now. Got it. For free. <laughs> so, all right. So let's say we've done this and we're driving some traffic to a specific page. We've got, let's say we've got the Facebook pixel obviously already in place on this civil war page that you're talking about. Right. Okay. And, um, we're, we've got a custom audience now on Facebook that we're building, right. With these people right. that are visiting from Google. Um, do you, uh, what, what's the next step on the Facebook side of things? Like how do we now use Facebook in conjunction with the traffic that's being driven by Google? What do we do next? Okay. The first thing you do is, you know, your avatar's calendar and they've told you what they're doing now. So you want to give them the next step in whatever your product you're selling. So for me, all right, they come in, they download the Civil War thing, right? I know that that person's teaching Civil War. 
the next thing that they're going to teach is Spanish American War or World War One, whatever. I want them to see an ad for their next step. I want them to say, hey, you just had a great time with our Civil War thing. Click here to get a free next step, a free World War One lesson plan unit. Mm. Once they go there, this is where I'm going to start collecting opt-ins. I'm, I'm trying to get emails off of Facebook because when they opt in, I can let my internal email autoresponder and my marketing sell them the actual stuff, the whole program for the whole year. So the Facebook ads are designed to give them the next step and get the email address. So what if we're not dealing with teachers who have like an obvious curriculum? Can you give some other examples? The biggest, yeah, you have to look, you have to know your avatar's calendar. Like if I was going to take, let me give you a random example here. If I was going to take like an internet entrepreneur, right? So we've already established that in January, we might have a goal setting guide, right? Well, what happens next in that person's thing? Maybe we look forward to summer. What are they going to do in summer? Maybe we help them set up something for, you know, your best summer sales ever. And we create a sales funnel course that they would would take there. That could be their next step. They set a bunch of goals in the early part of the year. They've done some things. They've not done some things. So we sell them the next step, maybe in March of, hey, go do this. This is your sales funnel. This is your autoresponder. This will teach you to go to the next level. Maybe it's a football coach. Well, a football coach, what is I get him in January or I get him in. Let's say I get him in August. He's going to have a game plan thing that he downloaded for free because he's getting ready to play games. What happens at the end of fall? Football's over. What does my avatar do next? He takes his kid into the weight room. So in January, I'm going to sell him a weightlifting manual or whatever. You've got to know your avatar. You've got to know the general flow of their year and you sell them their next steps. Once you collect the information, like you get them on your pixel list and you get them in your email list always be selling them the next steps. That's what you're trying to do. So one of the questions that comes to mind is how, uh, this audience, this audience that we're setting in place from Google search, like how soon before we offer them the next thing on Facebook, they come from Google today. Let's say, when do we offer them something from Facebook? That's the next part of the process. Well, we, we just always have ads going to that pixel immediately. Cause oh, I don't want to get it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like, like for example, like in our lesson plan sites, I'll just start a new ad each month on what I think is their next step based on my avatar's calendar. So I, always, I want them to immediately get followed up with so they get pixeled and they are immediately on an ad that's running uh, the, to my pixeled audience. Okay, I think I'm beginning to wrap my brain around this. So the idea is there's constant traffic, big or small, depending on what the search phrase is, right? That's yep. coming into the page on Google. And yep. then there's constant ads that you have running against that audience on Facebook. And you might change them based on what the cycle, you know, or the in the case of teachers, obviously, or, or football coaches, there's a natural cycle. But in the case of... Um, entrepreneurs, right? There might be, uh, you know, certain kinds of next steps that they want to, to use. But the idea is that you're constantly offering, uh, that new influx of traffic, uh, this thing. And, you know, it does bring up a question with Facebook and I, I, I don't run our ad, someone else does. So I don't know if you know the answer to this, but don't you have to decide how long the audience remains or something like that? Like 30 days versus 90 days or 120 days. Do you have to have all that figured out before you start doing these offers to them? Do you know? I usually just pick a hundred eight. We, I don't set my ads up either. So I don't know how all that works, but okay. I know that we try to just use the 180 day pixel cause we want everybody that's been to the site in the longest period possible to see the ads. Got right? it. Okay. And, and we're setting our ads up more based on the calendar where the triggering comes into play is more your email list. Got it. Does that make, so once they opt into something like the next thing that they get, 
your 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 automation can handle all of that and your email list a lot easier. We are really big on knowing our avatar. I want to know what my avatar is doing on January 25th every year. Got okay? it. Okay. Because they all have a flow. So if you know that, you can start your ads each month and do whatever you want without having to automate everything. How is your Facebook ad language different than what your Google ad is? Is it very similar as far as the copy? It's very similar. We try to be as direct as possible, especially once they've already clicked because they know about us. I mean, you got a big giant logo there that says like U.S. History Teachers or Flipped Lifestyle or whatever. And then once we get into it, it's always very clear and direct like, this is your next step. If it's not your next step, you're not going to click it anyway, right? right? But we try to keep it really short and sweet. Um, a big thing we do on pictures is I don't like to use a lot of words on my pictures because those seem to be the things that people don't react to as much. I want it to be as natural in their feed as possible. I'm your friend. You met me. I helped you. I'm going to help you again. Here's what I think you need help next with. And we just try to keep it as clean as possible. Have you figured out kind of the the flow for like every thousand that you get from Google, you get this, like the funnel, like maybe 200 of them come from Facebook and 50 of them turn into the email. I mean, is there some sort of a, do you have that figured out? Is there some sort of a system as far as like the percentages that you figured out on this stuff? It's very hard to track it because you've got the, you've got Google coming and you can set up your pixel there too, to track like your traffic and Google analytics and stuff. Right. And then you got your Facebook stuff, but you know, one thing about all that is if, if you look at your like lead pages and you look at your Facebook ads and you look at your Google traffic, it's never quite the same, Right. So it's a lot more intuitive to kind of look at it like, okay, this is how much traffic I got. Now let's transfer it over to this is how many clicks I got. And even though there's a little like, it's like the missing link in the history of evolution or whatever, you know, like you kind of have to intuitively say, okay, well, we had a thousand people land on this page. Okay. Now this pixel ended up being 700 people, I guess, because not everyone that right. gets pixeled ends up on your Facebook list. Right. And then from that point you can track it because now it's in the Facebook system, Right. But there is a little gap there between the Google traffic and the Facebook traffic. We, we kind of make up for that, Mike, by using clean funnels is what we say. We set up straight lines like this ad goes to this page, and this is the only way to get to this page. It's not on our site. There's no other links to it. So hopefully that data is as clean as possible. So when we jump over to the social media network, yep. it's a lot easier to kind of close that gap. So um, just hypothetically – let's say uh, for a page in your case that gets a thousand visitors, let's say a month and 700 of them are on Facebook, you know, what percentage of them are you getting? And I know it's highly variable based on your offer, but what are we talking like 10 or 20? Are we talking hundreds that opt in to get onto your email cycle? Oh yeah. You're going to get 10 to 15% to opt in on that list. We have one page. I know for sure. I just looked at it the other day. Uh, it, it like opted in at like 16% of the traffic. Got it. And then, and then what happens is then once you get those people on that email list, if your emails are set up correctly, where it's really hyper targeted, like, okay, this person logged in or came for free for this, got on the email for this. Well, step three is surely a buy, right? That can convert at super high rates, super high rates. So just out of curiosity, do you find that the cost to actually turn someone into a customer by going through this Google to Facebook and then to email is actually quite economical in the grand scheme of things compared to just trying to sell directly on Google or on Facebook? Yes, because it's just a lot cheaper, like a lot easier to find the people. So and and also, too, if you do the keyword research right, it's you have to know your avatar. You have to know their problem. The solution has to be right. And you've got to research the keywords right so that you're keeping that cost down. Because if you screw that up, you can end up blowing through a budget really fast, right? 
Yeah. But you, but it, it stays very, very low uh, through conversion. I mean, we find, I mean, we built a million dollar education company uh, doing this with pennies on the click. So. Wow, that's amazing. Now, once they get into your email, um, are you you're obviously immediately offering them yet another something for free in exchange for the email from Facebook, right? What right. happens after that? Then once they get on the email list, I'm a big believer in pitching fast on the email list. I know some people say draw it out and all that, but I kind of feel like you've already been through the the dating phase when you get through this process. If they've made it this far, they've basically accepted and taken action and got results from two of your solutions. So it's a pretty natural pitch to go ahead and move them toward the bot, the sale. So I'll pitch probably in like the second email, they get indoctrinated, they get their welcome email with their thing that delivered on the opt-in. And the very next thing is, Hey, you just downloaded that. This will solve your big problem overall forever. Why don't you just go ahead and buy it? And then we'll kind of do a couple tricks along the way. Like if they don't take that first offer, we give them more things and then we offer again. Maybe then we offer a trial eventually so they can, you know, kick the tires a little bit more and we just take them down a normal kind of email autoresponder sales funnel. Got it. So you've got, you, 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 you do give them some sort of a, Hey, this is something you might want to consider yet a third thing, but this one does cost money. And yep. then if they don't buy that, um, you, you have some sort of a, sequence where you'll pro continue to provide value and then every once in a while pitch them on something. Is that correct? Pretty much. Yeah. Like if, if they don't take the core offer, which for us is usually about it's $50 a month for access to the full library of plans, right? If they don't take that core offer, then we may follow up with more of a, I guess a tripwire is what you would say. Like, Hey, you took a civil war lesson plan. What if your next lesson plan is world war one? This is 12 bucks. Try it out. You know, we don't, we don't offer this one for free, but you can buy it for 12 bucks. They take that. Then we, follow up with, whoa, you just bought the $12 one. Hey, just sign up and you get access to everything. It's a lot cheaper. Do you so. do all of your uh, quote unquote selling through the email list at this point? Or once they're on the list, do you also occasionally try to uh, sell them through Facebook ads as well? Yes. Like we will do Facebook ads, but it has to be tied to something like in the calendar that's happening, uh, like a Black Friday sale or like for Jocelyn's site, she sells to elementary librarians. So a huge thing every week is, or every year is Dr. Seuss's birthday week. So she might have a Dr. Seuss sale or something like that. Like we try to tie it to something that they're already experiencing in their normal flow of life so that it feels like a bonus in what they're already experiencing, basically. Just out of curiosity, how many people have you added to your email list, you know, or some of your clients, have they added to their email list using this kind of strategy? Are we talking, I mean, because these are very small communities, right? So it doesn't need to be a huge number. Am I right or am I wrong on that? It, it doesn't have to be a huge number because they're so targeted. Right. Um, but like our history, our education sites are right in the thirty to 50,000 email range. Wow. And all of that's pretty much done through these ad strategies. So. And do you find once you have this kind of set up, it's almost a set it and forget it kind of thing because we did Mike, I got, I got an eight year old and a six year old and two dogs. Everything set it and forget it in my house, man. <laughs> I got, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't got time for live webinars or anything like that, man. I gotta, I have to figure out a way to make it as set it and forget it as possible where I can show up and start ads each month and, and be all right. So, so yeah, that's definitely. how you, that's how you've grown your business. And I would imagine once you get it down to kind of a mad science, then you go after a different niche or you figure out new products to offer to the existing Target yep. audience is that the idea? Yeah, that's the idea. I like to I like to add things rather than try to start a whole new. I mean, I could start any education site and probably make this work, right? Right. right. If as long as I have the content, but it's a lot easier just to think up new ways to get in people's mind. So, like you know, for example, let's say 
there's a big library conference or something, right? Right. Librarian conference. I would rather just start an ad that says, hey, are you prepared for this conference? Here's a new thing we offer. And it's like a survival pack for that. I'd rather just find new ways to get in their mind that I've already got through the Facebook ads. Keep building that relationship. Keep bumping into them out in public kind of thing. And, and just use that exposure, then create something brand because wow. your, your market, you're never going to have a hundred percent of the market. So why not keep selling to the market? Right. Well, first of all, I, I just want to say, Shane, that this has been fascinating for me to kind of, um, unpack this with you. I think that there's a lot of people listening right now that are like, Oh my gosh, I love this. <laughs> right. And it's so cool. So, uh, Shane, why don't you tell everybody where they can discover more about you and all the great things you guys got going on? Sure. You can connect with us on Instagram and Twitter. Our flip, our username is flipped LS. And uh, you can also check out the flipped lifestyle podcast on iTunes each week. Jocelyn and I do a live coaching call on air with a real person to help them and the listener take their business to the next level. And uh, me and you talked a lot about this and I hope, I hope my country accent and my uh, rambling has not confused everyone today, but um, I'm actually going to put together uh, a course on this totally for free and I'll give it to everybody who's listening to the podcast today at flippedlifestyle.com slash SME. So I'm going to put that together just for your audience. We don't, we've never offered this like publicly before, awesome. but uh, I'll, I'll put it together to explain it in detail, anything we might've missed on the show. Very cool. Very cool. Shane Sams, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insight. Hey Mike, I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. Well, I hope you found a lot of value in today's episode. If there was anything we mentioned and you didn't catch it, don't worry. We take all the notes for you. Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 260. By the way, if you're new to this podcast, hit that subscribe button on your podcast player of choice. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.